0: This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. I'm kind of sad we didn't talk about your Cosmo for the cold, for the cold open.
1: Oh, well, you know, I'm just, I, I always We're, have Cosmos with my best gal pals. So I'm glad you
0: so can yeah. share this with me. Oh, so this is the thing that was in our, one of our bonus episodes, but I feel it's worth sharing with um, the non-donors, the plebs, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> but, Standard uh, batch listener. Yes, st- Steve and I. Did some personality tests for like what present are you and then also we did like which Teletubby are you uh, but while I was testing out what personality tests we could do for the bonus episode I found one is like what's your sitcom catchphrase and you answered a bunch of questions and can you remember what, it, what my one was what I told you it was no I don't remember it you was, telling me that <laughs> it was get in the car girls <laughs> is that what sitcom is that <laughs> no it's just like if it's just custom for you hey what's up yeah, I'm recording a podcast. Hey Kate. Kate. You're recording right now? Yeah, we're recording right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that in. Uh Has she got something more important to tell Kate, you about? Kate just walked in when I when I said like, hop in the car girls. <laughs>
1: <So> <laughs> okay. Have where? To ex-
0: where are we going? I, I'll have to explain that later. But yeah, hop in the car girls is my uh new catchphrase. <laughs> um so that's the kind of stuff you're missing out at over on the bonus feed. But for this cold open, I thought seeing as we're going to be talking about protests uh when we get into the episode pro- proper am are going to be talking about like all the big you know social movements and big important things that that humanity has protested for over over the years i thought maybe for the cold open we could get a little bit more petty and talk about what,
1: <laughs> like our bugbears
0: yeah but what are things that you would like to protest small things, insignificant things, things that you would never in 100 years protest because there's way more important things to protest. But for the sake of this thought experiment, let's just air out some of our grievances. Yes. Did you have any? I did. Or do you want me to start? I was, you thinking, go, you ab- go.
1: I was thinking about it on my, pr- my pre-recording stroll uh-huh. and I realized as I seen some children frolicking in the sunshine in the playground that I was oh. very jealous. Oh. So like, why can't adults have playgrounds? Where are the adult playgrounds? Mm. Where are the... All I want is a massive slide strong enough to take a 16 stone man. (laughs) Okay, so you just want the
0: same playground just scaled up.
1: Scaled up for adults. Soft ground so you you don't hurt your poor kneesy-weezies when you fall over. Yeah. You know, big slides that don't collapse or you get stuck in as you're trying to ride on them. (laughs) (laughs) And most importantly, like, just because I'm a man going to the playground Mm. in my trench coat... Doesn't mean I'm there to do anything nefarious. Doesn't mean you're creepy. No. No, I'm just there, I'm waiting for my turn. And then if <laughs> I try to go in the evening after the chiselers have gone home, the hmm. feckin teenagers are there drinking. And they're scary. So <laughs>
0: they are they are terrifying.
1: That's what I, that's all I'm asking for. That is why I am asking you to sign my petition to lobby. Oh, we're the we're gonna government.
0: have a lot of we're gonna have a lot of petitions by the time this episode is over, I feel. What's your one? Uh, one, I've got many, and I may need to just sprinkle them throughout the course of the episode because it turns out I've got a lot of gripes, a lot of bugbears, <laughs> a lot of the things that have been bothering me. So this is a more recent one and it's probably much more personal and localized heavily to just like my street. But uh, the other night, while Kate and I were trying to go to sleep, I heard a man shouting outside uh, on the road outside my flat. It's a city. This it isn't. Like, yeah, this isn't co- isn't uncommon in London, um, but when I kind of started listening more to what this guy was shouting about and then like actually peeked through the blinds to look at him he was shouting down the phone while pacing back and forth on the road and I, and uh, he kept going up to uh, the apartment directly across from me and like looked like he was going to hit on the door but then walked away and I thought shit what's going on here is something about to go down and then I listened to what he was saying to this on the phone and he was saying bruv I seen him bruv she's got my kitty He's in the front window. He's looking at me, bruv. He's, he's saying, I want to get out of here, bruv. I want to get out of here. And I just want my cat back, bruv. And I don't know what to do. So there's this poor dude has been separated from his cat. Oh no. And this cat is trapped as like a prisoner of war in you this apartment, directly across from, from the me. the window. Aww. At the window, looking at th- this guy who's his owner. And this poor guy is on the phone pacing around doesn't know what to do. Now he's shouting extremely loud about it. Understandably. But, uh, so a couple of days later, I looked out my window and I saw him quietly just sitting on the wall outside this apartment and I almost wanted to go sit out next to him in solidarity and just protest with signs for this, the release of this cat from um, his unjust imprisonment That is very specific so that's, that's extremely specific but it's worthy of a protest I think Well you think Yeah I think we need to free Declan Declan, Declan is the name <laughs> I've given this cat <laughs> Just this for Declan
1: Right so forget Tibet Let's move on to Declan Yeah have you got any more? Uh, no, I've, you know, I'm quite happy with my lot. I'm a heterosexual okay. middle-class white man. <laughs> oh
0: yeah. But look, if you dig and I'm deep, you find I'm not more. A,
1: and I'm not a dick. <laughs> so I'm not <laughs> protesting the fact that people are trying to take
0: that away from me. True. Can I sh- share one more with you and then I'll, the rest I'll just sprinkle throughout the episode. <laughs> I can't wait. I want to protest the way Boris Johnson says vegan. How does he,
1: oh, well, it really annoys me the way some people, English people say COVID. They say COVID. Yeah,
0: but that's a whole other protest. Look, go on. We can, but I think we can save this one much easier. Just listen. For appearing here, I have eaten, I've also I've also eaten um, vegan sausage rolls. Are you? Have you eaten a vegan? I've not, sausage. but
1: it's meant to be a monster hit for that bakery chain. You know, absolutely bad. not. I think I love that. I think <laughs> that I think I think I'm going to be on the other side of the placards to you here, Richie. Really? Yeah, no, I'm oh, happy to have say a Vegan. <laughs> vegan.
0: Sausage. Vegan. <laughs> vegan sausage rolls. It's got, yeah. I mean, anyway, they're so missing a there. I want to be outside 10, 10 Downing Street with a phonetic pronunciation of the word vegan.
1: Is it an accent thing, though?
0: Like, aren't the COVID people right because it's like Coventry? You don't say Coventry. Should we say Coventry? <laughs> should we say COVID? Where do you fall on the scone, scone, yogurt, yogurt? Scones and yogurts. Yeah, so you fall on the right side <laughs> the side of justice. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I've got, I've got more, I've got more <laughs> of these gripes, but we'll get to them later. Speaking of more, mm. if people wanted to get more, if you want to hear the birth of um, getting in the car girls, then uh, you will need to cough up five quid a month plus VAT to join Headstuff Plus, and you'll get access to a bunch of Headstuff or a bunch of uh, exclusive one-on-politics donor-only episodes. It How many have we got now? Five, five, six, five. Two, five, one hundred. It's, it's f- impossible to say. Scientists are still trying to tabulate, and we'll, but we'll, the, the only uh, one way to find out. Sign up. Give us money. So yeah, there's a link to that in the show notes, if you please. Vegan sausage rolls.
1: Um. Yeah, this is what I'm politics. This is a podcast
0: all about politics. Kind of. All about politics and also all of the gripes and stuff we want to see change in the world. Uh, For instance, here's another one. Uh, Why does every lad in London have sharp professional haircuts except for me, despite the fact all the barbers are closed?
1: Yeah. Actually, I I walked past the guy in the park today and thought the same. I think that I'm wearing a cap because it's sunny and I think I look like Dustin from Stranger Things. (laughs) I see my silhouette and I'm like, oh shit, I look like Dustin. Not a bad look. I mean... It's 80s. It's grand for Dustin back then. He's a kid. I'm a 30-odd-year-old man in 2021. 20, <laughs> Maybe not.
0: Every morning. So I go and I get coffee from a place that does like window side service. And it's it's an Italian um, coffee shop. And all of the... It's just run by a bunch of really handsome uh, Italian men. and Which they is why all you go. Have the sh- oh, it's exclusively why I go. And they all have the sharpest, smoothest, slickest looks. And I'm not talking about just like... Oh, it looks like you know their their flatmate is decent with a razor and are just these? tidied up. I mean, like fades. Are these lads from actually zero? Italian? Yeah, there's a good
1: chance they took their granny with them for this specific purpose. Is that a thing that nonnies can do? Italian grannies, not Irish grannies. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. Irish grannies will no. shear you like the sheep, <laughs> <laughs> and then paint the blue so- paint the blue th- bark on the side of your head, so she knows which one you are when she goes to collect you from school. Ah, Muriel. Now you're taking my one. Now you see, yours is the red one on the left side. Mine is the blue one on the right side. (laughs) Yours hasn't been dipped. Now mine's been dipped. These are very (laughs) Irish-specific things for to our non-Irish listeners. (laughs) We know maybe our New Zealand listeners will get it too,
0: and Welsh. Maybe. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, I want to protest these fuckers who are getting these illegal backstreet speakeasy haircuts (laughs) prohibition haircuts but 12th of april i'll be less her suit i wonder if there's less like
1: is there like an al capone in london of haircuts is he like is there like full gangs organizing illicit haircuts and making
0: millions because it's a it's a hot commodity you're gonna (laughs) swear i got these haircuts (laughs) see the cops kick in the door and they pull a lever that just turns into like a pub. <laughs> Which is less illegal. <laughs> Which is less illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Pulled the wrong lever. Uh yeah, so that's what this podcast is. Uh but today we're gonna to talk about protests. What am protests? Yeah. Because like I, I don't know if it's just me, but it feels like protesting has become a hotter thing over the, over the last few years. And I don't know whether this just correlates directly to, with my, it maps on perfectly to my journey of trying to understand politics, right? I become aware of this thing and so I see more of it in the world. Or has it really just been that there's been an uptake in um, kind of like civil participation in terms of the political participation for things like protests and, and like engagement in social issues at the level of wanting to disrupt the natural order of things? And I'm only just paying attention to it because of this podcast. Because literally, over the last four years, <laughs> since, you know, four and a half years since 2016 yeah, no, it's, is it's, when I've been noticing it. It's probably the former.
1: It's probably that, you know, it's like when you, you think you talk about that episode of The Simpsons and then it's on telly the week after.
0: Mm. It's
1: it's it's because you're aware of it, that you're seeing it more. No, I don't think we're seeing more protests. Maybe they're getting more attention. Maybe they're becoming more. What's the I feel word? like there's
0: a time there where like pre-COVID where. I was, I was heading into central London every other weekend for climate this, or Trump's coming to visit, or... Yeah, I think they're
1: you know, getting There's bigger. always something
0: going on. Yeah, I huge. Think, and they're
1: getting more contentious, but I don't necessarily think there are more of them, if you know what I right. mean. Right. I yeah. think if you, like, if 10 years ago you would wanted to go in and protest something in a city centre on a Saturday, you could have been able to go in. There would have been something.
0: Yeah. But That's yeah, a good point, yeah.
1: They're definitely bigger and there are all sorts of reasons for that. So, Kamir, when you think of protests, like, what do you think of that as, as opposed to other political activities?
0: Um, so, largely peaceful events, bunch of people uh, organised prior, beforehand, not impromptu, but priorly organised beforehand, show up at a place at agreed upon time, walk in a direction, usually with an idea of going to an end point, or meet at a specific point, usually a seat of power. And they've got great signs and great chants and ways of just like activating and rallying people and drumming up a great kind of buzz around a particular subject or issue.
1: Yeah, that I think is the demonstration part of the protests. But I think protests can be an awful lot broader and don't necessarily have to mean you're going somewhere. But I think how you described it fits into how they fit into it. I think in terms of like democracy, I guess you're protesting in opposition to something that's going on, but you're you're deciding to do it on the street as opposed to getting elected and going into oppo- going into the parliament and then shouting against it, which is like the oppositional yeah. conventional politics. This is something mm-hmm. kind of raw or more more populist, I guess.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a manifestation of the voice of the people literally coming together and, and speaking with one voice. It's a very literal kind of well, no. manifestation of...
1: No, no, not the people, not one voice. Like it's a people and their voice, if you know what I mean. Yes. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. Yeah. Not like all of humanity coming together, yeah, but or, yeah, you know what I mean. Or even like Trump claiming to be all of America or whatever. Or like, like yeah. I mean, the climate change activists aren't all people. No. They are a lot of people, they are representing an important voice, but I think it is definitely something to be aware of when you're about watching protests and part of them is that just, you think that you everyone's behind you, but they probably aren't. And that's why you have to do it in the first place. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Did I tell you, ever tell you about my first like protest? I don't think so. Well, it's the first time I properly got involved. Volvo one. It was when I was in San Francisco, in America, and we'd gone on that Arizona trip. I've, I've mentioned a bunch of times in this podcast, like I think you back to the first episode. It was a very formative political experience around the, the, actually the night that Donald Trump was elected, I was deep in the Arizona um, rurality <laughs> in the middle of nowhere and uh, saw for the first time like the the voter base of Trump. I was actually in deep in like Republican um, territory in a way that you know San Francisco just isn't. Yeah. And then when we, f- we our last night there coincided with the night he was elected, the results came out and then we flew back to San Francisco the next day and got in a, an Uber, got dropped off at our apartment right at the same time that the protests for the results were rolling through Castro which is where I lived in San Francisco and we immediately ran down, dropped off our bags and ran down to join the protest. <laughs> and like, it was the first time si- I saw a burning effigy. It was the first time. What, what compelled like, you to drop your
1: bags and run down? Like this being the first time you've ever decided to do that. Like what do you think about that compelled you to do that?
0: Uh, it, it was, I think it's one of the things that's like so appealing about like a mass protest is that when you find, again to your point, your voice manifested in a movement, mm. it's kind of intoxicating. And it's kind of the thrill of the mob, isn't it? It is a re. Yeah, it is a little bit. There, there is a sense of that, and you go down there, and it almost feels like, "Whoa, this is this is something so much bigger than yourself." But again, you agree so wholeheartedly with, it and a lot of it's got. To, it's why there's very. there are very emotional affairs a lot of the time. It's because a lot of people's, you know emotions are tied up in them especially and like we're speaking again it's important to caveat you already mentioned at the start we're two straight white dudes we've never been marginalized in our lives really you know what I mean so like it's however we feel about these things it's so much more harder for people who are actually marginalized for things and are you know campaigning and protesting on a platform of this is, you know, my life is affected by this in an adverse manner. But yeah, it it was just, I kind of got swept up in it and I agreed with what what people were saying, what they were chanting and I joined it as was marching through Castro. So we're pointing out, again, Castro was the gay district in San Francisco, so the protests got way more like pageantry and way more, the timing of the songs got a lot better. There was way more the signs got sparklier (laughs) and it became a much more showy protest uh, as I went all the way down to Mission. And um, yeah, it was like... Intoxicating, and then shortly after, I went to the Women's March. That came again after he was inaugurated. inaugurated, Yeah, and a bunch just all kind of spiraled from there. And just I just really enjoy going to them. Yeah, and you've gone to a good few in London since then as well. Yeah, less so in the time of COVID because. And we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, that's that's a very particular part. mm -hmm. Vegan sausage rolls. We've talked a little bit, I guess, about the definition because in my head, I'm thinking of these protests in that sense. That's the reason why I brought up uh, Richie's first protest because this is how I've been defining them in my head but yeah you've alluded to they're, they take on many forms they they're do. not just the march yes no or the pick. No. And, you know I mean? that's
1: that's like a demonstration part of them
0: yeah but they are a lot broader. So, do we, in a sense of just like exploring the different ways they can manifest do you want to talk about some notable ones throughout history and how they yeah have looked well like I mean how they went
1: there's all sorts of ones that you could pick up there's the suffragette movement through decades of history around the, the early modern era there's oh, there's like labor protests all through the, the industrial age. Like there's all sorts of things you could grab. There's like all the different nationalist protests, like Ireland's seen so many of them throughout, throughout its years when we were trying to get independence. Mm-hmm. Um, but one, I guess, that would be handy to focus on would be the civil rights um, movement in the United States around the uh, 50s and 60s. Basically, that was, that was led by Martin Luther King and his gang. Um, mm-hmm. Then that's a good one to demonstrate in terms of like the different ways that you can see protests. So that happened in a lot of different ways. It was all like we don't have time to go into it, but I'm sure a lot of people are aware of how it worked. There was the Jim Crow laws in the South yeah. that were brought in to make um, African-American second-class citizens, like horrendous, evil racial laws made to try and keep people in their place as the white ruling majority seen it. Um, so were, that that manifested in all sorts of ways, different bathrooms, um, black people not being allowed to sit at counters in white-only restaurants, um, different you had to sit at the back of the bus um and then perhaps most importantly in terms of being able to change things all sorts of restrictions on being able to vote which is starting to come back in the united states but that's a whole yeah. other topic um so i guess i like i don't i'm not knowledgeable enough about the movement to know what the exact origins were but they're definitely after World War II, there was something happened, something sparked. I think it probably had to do with a lot more um, African-Americans getting access to education, mm-hmm. not just in terms of being able to like learn and get smarter and get more organized, but just the very fact that they were starting to gather more often in places like campuses and universities. And this this, this speaks to why a lot of protests tend to originate from college, from universities, Yeah, because it's just a place where a lot of like-minded people happen to gather. And- you're surrounded by all these different bits of history you're learning all this stuff and like that's where you start to get motivated so they started organizing all sorts of mini protests and sit-ins in restaurants where they were getting denied service they would come and gather three sit there until they were thrown out arrested or served I think the first two happened a lot more than the last one and then there was a lot of um, like uh, riding on buses when they weren't supposed to Um, I think accumulating in Rosa Parks, the the famous, most famous example of that. And then you had the mass protests where people would gather in their hundreds of thousands of millions and march on very different things. And I mean, there's Selma, there's Montgomery, there's the Million Man March in DC. There's all sorts of different instances we can show this. But this was a sustained political protest movement that was organized for 15 to 20 years to try and overturn the segregation laws in the South. And it was successful. It eventually got there. It was a hard graft. It took all sorts of different forms. It involved a lot mm. of clashes with the authorities, quite a bit of violence. But most importantly, the violence was on the side of the state, not on the side of the, on the, on the, pro, on the protesters of the majority, at least in terms of the, the side I'm talking about. There were more angry and aggressive and violence movements running alongside it. But in the, yeah. the the one I'm talking about, they were very peaceful which I think is important and it's something to keep in mind when we're talking about things like protests. There is that fine line between protest and rebellion, I guess. Yeah. a riot. Yeah. Well, yeah. Riot, rebellion, I guess. uh, Yeah. A rebellion is, and riots are different. A rebellion is an organised uprising. uprising. Yeah. Whereas a riot is a protest that got out of hand and ended up in violence. Different kind of things, I guess. And then I was thinking about it as well, like I guess in context to like when the, when the the anti-lockdown protests got pretty violent here in Ireland a month ago Mm. like I was like oh well that's different to what these guys were doing in the US because the guys in the US were protesting a law that they just knew was inherently wrong but then am I not just making a normative judgment when I see that the guys that are protesting (laughs) the lockdown are protesting a law that they think is normatively wrong it's it's not it's not an exact Uh, new comparison but it is something to be aware of I know what
0: you're I know what you're saying and it is something to be aware of but I wouldn't s there's, there's a danger of of like false equivalencies yeah, where yeah. I think
1: that's something you know like we'll park until we get to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's so tricky. Yeah. It's, yeah, we'll talk about it a little bit later on, but yeah, it's is it, it is a tricky thing. Um so it, that that's a, a great example talking about the civil rights movement. We should actually say we probably should have said it up top. We're talking about protests in general here. Every one of these uh, examples could be an episode unto themselves and they Absolutely. probably will be at some point in the future. And we have talked, like we talked a bit about Stonewall um, with Tony Walsh way way back in the day and we've, we've talked about Hong Kong before and, and, yeah. and protests happening there. Um, but th- this episode is more about, I guess, the overall act of it and like the the, the nuances and the interesting points within the actual act of protesting, um, particularly today. But you mentioned there, just while talking about the civil rights movement, um, that it was effective. And that kind of brings me to the next thing I wanted to learn about, which is, are they always effective? Like, is this an effective way in engaging in political change?
1: No, they're not always effective. Of course not. <laughs> like, they don't always succeed. Um, yeah. It's, it's kind of, um, it's a game of wills. It's you versus the, the state and it's whoever blinks first. And the thing about the state is, they have an awful lot of muscle behind them. Vested interests are vested interests. They've got their grips and their talons into the into the place of power. It takes a lot yeah. to try and move them. It takes sustained effort, and quite often, the protests become like the people who organize the protests end up factionalizing over. Like if if you if you don't achieve your goal quick enough, it's really hard to keep the to keep the leaders together because they're going to start disagreeing with how the best ways to move forward is. So I would say when they fail, they fail either because of factionalism, which I, I can't think of an exact specific example, but I guess in general, economic left-wing protests kind of fall into this one, I think, like um, right. various forms of socialist protests and uh, protests against capitalism. think it's very hard to form a cohesive front when everyone has different ideas of what the best way to implement that is. Yeah. And then the other times it's just when the state wins. <laughs> when you just when you can't i guess china and hong kong is the best example of that the
0: people in hong kong just could not could not compete against the force of the chinese state and so how much would you say then your average politician pays attention to protests because like when you're like to talking about just what i was saying earlier about that example with the the trump protests in san francisco it felt like when you're in that moment, like, this is the biggest thing. This is the loudest thing. How could anyone not pay attention to this? This is like, we're changing. We're going to change shit here. And like, that's how it feels in the moment. But like, how does that, like, how does that translate up to the politicians sitting in their ivory tower with their double glazed windows where it's all soundproof and they don't Yeah, hear they're anything.
1: not hearing about Derek the bunny or whatever he was called, the rabbit to kitten, <laughs> but I can't remember. It
0: was Declan the Cat. <laughs>
1: um. Well, I think, unfortunately, that's a terrible example, Richie, the the Trump one, because what were you actually protesting? Like you were protesting the election of a president. He's been elected. He's going to be made president. Nobody, like, was the protest actually saying Trump should not be president? Or is it like we are voicing our massive
0: displeasure that this has happened? So I guess in that sense, the people who listen... I mean, yeah, there was a couple of layers. There was like the the like electoral college system, I think if if you were to like stop people and ask them like, why would this, should this not happen? It's because you know, he lost a popular vote. And but that's the so, thing. And he's like a shitty person. Yeah. But like, but yeah, it is it was mostly like, we are very, very, like this is not my president
1: type thing. Yeah, which is, I guess, a performative demonstration in that sense. That's like, this is so important to me. I need to let the world know. And we, we all need to let the world know that this is not right. Even if we don't have a necessary, even if we're not spelling out a, A fix which you don't necessarily have to do that's not that's not Mm. a caveat when you're filling in your protest form (laughs) um but uh, yeah well like for example when you when you were using that was an example i guess the the people who listened to you were democrats and they could see that like that's a yin yang example if you are not trump you're a democrat so they listen to you but unfortunately the republicans Mm. who were backing trump didn't listen to you they just they Mm. ignored you and went in behind trump so in that sense i guess in other examples like the, the civil rights movement was eventually successful in convincing like previously racist Southern whites um Democratic politicians to switch sides like famously Lyndon B. Johnson um, ended up becoming one of the most important civil rights presidents despite the fact he started off as a racist Texan. So like sometimes it <laughs> is quite successful. I guess the, the climate change movement is probably an example of one that has been successful. Like the climate change movement has over the decades forced its issue on the agenda. Yeah. And it is now like... Being a climate change denying party is to be a fringe political movement now.
0: Yeah, it's taboo.
1: Yeah, so that's, that's like, it is, they do listen. And I mean, there's countless other instances of very small things that get very loudly protest very quickly The politicians are like, whoa, shit, we've made a mistake here. We better change. Look at all these people mm. out on the street. And then they have to backtrack or change their policy. And that does get changed very quickly. So it is, politicians do take heed and they do listen. If they think... Most importantly, it'll affect whether they get reelected. Yeah. And then
0: Go on do you have a point?
1: And no. Then. I forgot it as I said it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cosmo kicking in. Um <laughs> just now I was just think of Carrie Bradshaw.
0: <laughs> we, yeah, there's something else I want to protest. You and a, uh, the imagery of you in a Carrie Bradshaw dress from the opening of Sex in the City. <laughs> <laughs> that pink tutu oh.
1: I can't remember the, the, the actual tune but it's just like loads of bass notes isn't it for the Sex and the City Are you thinking of Seinfeld? Maybe I am Vegan Sausage Rolls
0: We talk about uh, a lot in this podcast um, about we? the damage uh, we talk a lot just in general uh, but <laughs> a, one thing in particular podcast. we talk about <laughs> is the damage social media has had to politics but one thing that we've never really talked about is the a lot of big movements recently have been organised on social media, and so things like Extinction Rebellion or any any of the the, the um, protests we've, we've mentioned over that happened over like the last decade or so, they have their roots in social media, and so it's a great way for people to organise and get on the same page and actually then take their issue to the streets. Is that like a thing that we haven't given social media credit for, or is there still (laughs) enough negative things that we should completely disregard it still? Because it's not either or it's like, it's
1: just because it does this good thing doesn't mean it's off the hook for the bad thing. It's still a gray area. I guess Mm. like I don't credit social media with being the origin, the originator of these things. Like I think social media at its heart is a tool and it is what Mm -hmm. use it. I think Perhaps the one interesting thing about social media is the algorithms and that as you are watching more YouTube videos, liking more articles and pages related to what you're interested in, it will push you down that thread in terms of suggested other content, which might end up pushing people towards different protest groups. So like if you Mm. start generally reading about climate change, there's a chance that the algorithms will push you into a climate change protest group. I think that's yeah. that's the part of it, I think, is most interesting. In terms of, like, the actual organisational part, I just don't see how it has changed the world that
0: much in terms of, like... Okay, go on. well, here's a, here's an example. So you mentioned it's a tool, and it is. People have been organising protests way before social media, just through different mechanics. Like, at least but the 80s. At, <laughs> at least the 80s, maybe even 79. Who's to say? <laughs> but um, the the you cannot disregard the fucking scale and efficiency of that tool. Take, for example, remember Cody 2012? That blew up on a global scale, turned out to be a whole separate other thing. The organiser went crazy and stripped off naked, <laughs> if you remember. I do. But the actual, like, genesis of that, that movement spread globally, really quickly through social media. But it, did, that's, it w- that
1: wasn't a protest. That wasn't a demonstration.
0: That was, that was a fad. Like- People... Yeah, but people, people, it's still activated people in that, in, to the, do use what? It in the same kind of way. People put up signs, did people they? painted. Yeah. If not, do you not remember Cody 2012? People I, not put signs everywhere. Would, like
1: I am such a cynical bastard that at the time I was like, you are all fucking idiots, but I'm not, I'm not arsed arguing with you over this.
0: So, I get, so this is the thing. It, it died off really quickly. But people well, course it, course did it, did it did. In, <laughs> Yeah. I'm trying to. <laughs> Do I don't need to make this point. I get it's what like, you mean, I people, get what you mean. Like, it, did, f- it did fizzle out when it when it came to like the all of the controversy with the organizers and all, all of that stuff, but it went viral. Huge amounts of people got on board with it. People did start to activate around it. It just fell off because of, you know, other factors. But social media did allow for a thing to transpire across the world in a way that hadn't really done before that.
1: It had a virality to it, yeah. Like, it meant it meant mm. it accelerated those different things that, that wouldn't have happened before. But I, like, I mean, it also didn't work, though, you see. Like, the people immediately realized that it was a sham and just fell off it. And, like, it was so, but su- even, like, it was even, so superficial. Like, but even, e- okay, even so that activation expect- that you say, like, what was that activation? People were donating money to this shady organization and they were, like, painting something on a wall. But that isn't, like, a proper protest and that isn't the proper okay. demonstration. It's not a movement.
0: But Extinction Rebellion like organizes itself through social media and sure. there's like local different groups yeah. and you could like, I can join my Lambeth one yeah. and they all activate through social media, that kind of thing. So like there's an example of it working well on a global scale using this to- tool for good.
1: Yes. And that's, yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't see how social media is the originator of that though. I think that might've happened if social media wasn't here. I, I That's, that's too much of a, of, of a what if. Like I, Yeah. I ju- yeah, I don't buy into it. <laughs> that's the debate between whether or not technology has the power to be that that that
0: demonstratively changeable, and I'm not sure it does, but that's a whole other argument. That's a huge, huge debate. Okay, on a similar vein then, every like everyone has a Twitter account now and people can instantly, you know, put out their whatever the detritus or message they want could just sit on their phone from their couch and just send out a message to the world. Do you think constantly being able to have this um, pressure release valve where you're like letting off little bursts of aggression or little bursts <laughs> of, you know, um, dissatisfaction with whatever issue um, might be might be relevant to you. Constantly being able to like m- micro release stops people from actually engaging on a more practical, um, significant level because they're, like I said, if you look at a pressure release valve, they're constantly just letting off a little bit of pressure, but it's going into the void. Yeah it's just going into the ether. Yeah, no, I think that's more of a demonstration of how people
1: use the tool. Yeah, I don't think mm. that definitely isn't helpful. It might be sucking energy out of potential protest movements, but then again, like we were saying at the top of the episode, it really feels like protests have never been bigger or more or more popular. So if that was true, then they they can't both be true at the same time, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I guess maybe you could argue that they they could be even bigger if social media and wasn't sucking the energy out of people like that with the little small pointless pressure releases of your tweet or your Instagram posts. Um, but I, I'm just not sure. I think if, if something is important enough to people, they, they won't just tweet about it and then forget about it. They will actually take it up and carry it on. Yeah, And I th- I think it's more that people who don't really care and only Tweet about it in passing, just have a tool now to do that yeah, it like the same people would have just been grumbling at a bus stop or in the pub beforehand, yeah,
0: and like we said, we haven't seen a drop off, if anything, yeah. there's been an increase in the amount of people are organizing and and doing these well, these engaging this way,
1: I'm sure it's incredibly frustrating if you are someone who who is a massive activist and uh, and you see like casual tweets or Instagram posts about something that you work so hard for and you're like you motherfuckers you think that you've fixed it just because you've hashtagged it out there
0: <laughs> yeah I, I mean it's the whole thing of the like the like the around the George George Floyd protest last yeah, year the, the black square yeah. going out and the like uh, there's always an example of uh, and even Coney 2012 like I'm going to keep going back to that that was a lot of people going yeah we need to stop this this dude what even was it? It I'm was like a, by- a child warlord or something. It was like a war. It was like a war criminal. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, sorry, a warlord. And this was like, if we just, the idea was paint the world with Coney twenty twelve posters and make everyone aware of this guy. Was the idea? <laughs> Why would he um, care? He's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> But this is the thing—you you probably yeah. have then like actual people like dealing with with yeah exactly war yeah. <laughs> like something like UN you know.
1: agent going off oh, for fuck's, fuck's sake, sake. <laughs> Syria 2021. Oh, it's like, no, Bashar al-Assad seen that someone in Westport had spray painted Syria 2021 and has given up on his his wars against humanity. <laughs> I can't, I, can't,
0: I can't risk Michal coming after me <laughs> that's it all, Michal and all of the under 16 yeah. hurling teams it's
1: like oh I can't believe that Russia are clamping down on LGBT rights let me tweet about that and Putin's like oh no I've been found out by John and Mullingar I better stop being such a dick <laughs> Putin's been cancelled Yeah, exactly. And
0: finally stopped
1: <laughs> he was it was really hurtful <laughs> He's like on the phone to uh, President Xi. It was really sad. Have you seen what they've been saying about
0: you and the Uyghurs? No.
1: What What have they been saying?
0: Putin sent, WhatsApps him some Winnie the Pooh memes. He's so poor guy. Yeah. No, fuck it. That kind of shit doesn't do anything. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Vegan sausage rolls. So we alluded to this at the start. Protesting now over the last year and getting involved in civic actions like this, it's it becomes exponentially harder during a pandemic because... You know, the whole, the strength of these movements happens when people come together. And what's the one thing we've been told to do over the last year is not come together. Can't come together. And yet it happened. Yeah, and yet, and yet they've still, um, protests have still happened. Most notably, probably last year, the Black Lives Matter movement. Did you join any in London last summer? So no, um, I didn't. and It was because of the pandemic. It was hard. It was because of the pandemic. And I don't begrudge anyone who did go in and do it. And part of me still feels guilty like to this day that I didn't. But it was just, you know, I guess I'd become too institutionalized within like my own home. And I was too afraid of, you know, the outside world and meeting up with that or being involved in a movement of that many people in such close proximity masks or no. And that was just like a personal choice myself for my own health and safety and the health and safety of my um, flatmates. So I, I haven't in the past year. Um, but again, it becomes a conversation of like, you know, well, people are dying from institutional racism around the world. And so it is a worthy thing to go protest, I think. And it just becomes a balancing of personal priorities as to whether you get involved or not.
1: But it is and it isn't though, because you're also explicitly breaking a law in terms of gathering in large
0: numbers. Do you think, I, so you think it's I, the, the personal priority? I know, but like, that's the point of like, it's like a type of civil disobedience, right? Yeah. It's like...
1: Yeah, but they, it's you like know. they're inadvertently breaking this other <laughs> clampdown. Like,
0: yeah. Right, it's an intersectional issue, right? It's like, it's it's how do you weigh up these two different things? I think, again, I don't begrudge anyone who did get involved and I applaud them, if anything, because, you know, if it's it was an important issue and it, attention did need to be raised about it. And I think... You know it was important that people did go out and protest and show their dissatisfaction with systemic racism and the handling of of what went down
1: yeah, I just i don't my
0: own personal you know priorities just didn't allow me to go do that i so i I contribute in different ways like I donated and that kind of thing, but yeah it's 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 a tricky one, and like I said, I'm still kind of struggling with it to this day. Ah.
1: Give yourself a break. It's a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I guess. And then, what? What do you think about protests against the lockdown? There's
0: another layer to it, but this time, these people are meeting up without wearing masks, and a lot of the time, and like protesting. I think a thing that's actively trying to benefit people. So I think it's like a question of motives. And for me, the motives of the Black Lives Matter movement are, you know, concerned with addressing a really serious systemic. Race issue, but then the motives for the anti-lockdown protests are about fighting against measures that are meant to protect society. And it, you know, it, so it's it's not really worth comparing the two if you know what I mean because they're just inherently different. And to me, one is inherently wrong, whereas one is inherently right. Yeah, but do they have the right to disagree with you in large numbers? <laughs> uh, yes, but I just don't agree with them doing it. I think. But then,
1: in terms of, I think it's when it comes down to like should the security forces of the state break
0: them up yeah yeah Uh, yeah yeah it's a complicated thing but i I think so like the you know the difference between how two different uh protests like manifested with the black lives matter protests for the most part you can see masks were worn distance was kept where possible but the nature of anti-lockdown <laughs> and protests a lot of the time means that the same safety uh, safety measures weren't observed and I think that is an important important distinction. Did you hear about Finland recently? No.
1: There was an anti-lockdown protest in one of the cities in Finland and um, a crowd of a couple of hundred had gathered the police arrived and uh, talked to the leaders to the side and they asked them could you separate this group into small groups two meters apart and then continue your protest and they said Mm. okay (laughs) (laughs) i think if the anti-lockdown protests were like that and we're wearing masks even though they don't want to wear masks and we're cooperating with the police not calling them traitors and scum and throwing shit at them Mm. and like we're being as safe as they could be while still breaking the law because they just fundamentally don't agree with this law then I guess I can kind of get on a board because it is we are in a democracy mm. that you do have the right to 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 dissent yeah but obviously just, with, without trying to hurt
0: people so like yeah it's a, it's a it's a tricky one <laughs> it is but like so you look at the like I, and again I don't want to do false equivalencies between these two things but like The Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd that was rooted in, you know, trying to weed out systemic racism and trying to try and address this issue. Whereas the anti-lockdown measures are rooted in something much more um, like based on... Fuck, how do I put this? Self-interest? Yeah, they're a lot more based on self-interest and they're a lot more... Selfishly motivated. It's like it's I mean, like a small.
1: That's a very normative judgment, though. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to be defending anti-lockdown protesters, but at the same yeah. time, for the sake of, think, for the oh, sake I of th- having a political argument, I think. Yeah. But like, a, like in terms of equiv like it's. I know it's it's an absolute false equivocacy, but at the same time, if somebody is protesting what they think is hurting them like if you did, if you wrote down without naming what the movements were they may look very similar <laughs> what i mean does oh, that make sense oh don't say that <laughs> <But> <laughs> no <laughs> it, it, i know it it isn't like that and you, and that al- we always need to keep context in, into consideration when you're making these judgments i would never join a lockdown protest i would be very pissed off if i heard a friend or family member joined a lockdown protest but i i i it makes me feel uncomfortable to think that we can say it's totally fine to have a black lives matter protest but it's not fine to have an anti-lockdown protest. It, I, I guess I just have to live with that discomfort. <laughs> I yeah. guess there's no other way around it. I don't. I don't think I can rationalize myself around it. It's just it's something that I guess I have to accept that. Like we are making this decision that one is okay and one isn't, for whatever for our own reasons. Vegan, 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 v ve- v ve- v ve- v vegan sausage rolls.
0: Tell you what. Let's cut back in here now and <laughs> just talk for <laughs> a sec. So Steve and I just had a long break where we, we had a, a real back and forth about, about this because it is so messy. Less of a back it's and so forth than we were having during the actual discussion. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you guys just missed out on the most engaging political discourse no. while Steve and I tried to figure out what the fuck's going Richie on. Richie <laughs> was like, I think we fell off the rails. And Steve was like, um, did we? <laughs> uh, yeah. We hit on the spot, right? This idea of this false equivalency that we don't want to talk about, but we kind of kept butting into it. Yeah. yeah. The idea of...
1: This is when we're getting into like normative ideas about morality and politics and like, where, yeah. do, where does one draw a line in terms of what is right and what is wrong? Mm. I... I'm never too sure myself. I do know when things are right and things are wrong. Black Lives Matter yeah. is right. <laughs> I yeah. don't say all lives matter. You fucking dick. <laughs> yeah. Don't give out about so. Don't give out about the fact that people are protesting something that they feel that they have to protest in that instance because yes, it is an absolute wrong, and it is worth. It is a, a worthy risk. But mm-hmm. when you get into the other side of it, and I think it's especially difficult because we don't want to give. The people who are organizing these protests quite often from pretty deranged and uh malevolent political means. I mean, isn't isn't that part of it? Is that why we're yeah, we're struggling no,
0: around it? I, th- I think so it is. It's because we don't want to like compare these two things. Yeah. But um, but because on the one hand, what like like but we are we are. By, by virtue of having this conversation because we have to. I think this is what we're <laughs> struggling because we have to. But like, because on the one hand, you do have like Black Lives Matter, which is saying Black Lives Matter, and we have an institutional and structural and systematic problem across the world that we need to deal with. But then we come across this other side where we're talking about My now, and like matter. people protesting the lockdown. Yeah, whereas that isn't the same like just fundamentally intrinsically just isn't the same. They have their right to protest, of course. But they it's a don't to see as you say. <laughs> but but then again, yeah, because it, it's assembling during a, at the a time of lockdown. So I think, but again, we just made that point earlier about like oh, it's civil disobedience and you need to have your voice heard. But the root of what they're saying versus the root of what the other um movements that we are more on board with I think the root the main thing that they are saying is where we are draw like where those things they're just not equal. Like I think, the
1: idea of uh, I think yeah, they're not equal, they're not the same and we are basically telling one group of people to sit down and shut up. Yeah, we are. We, are. we have to. Because we don't want people yeah. to cough to death. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to kill the fucking pandemic. Yes. People are literally dying. Yeah, but then we um, also have to own that, I guess. Is yeah. what I'm trying to say. We can't have it every which way that we want it. Like, we're going to have to accept that that is going to make people very pissed off. That is going to make people feel like they're not being heard. Yeah. And that is going to push people into even more crazy circles of, of politics or crazy corners of political and discursive life. And I don't know yeah. if there's any way around it. No. I think an interesting watch what happens is like the post-COVID politics. Yeah. Like this is good. There are going to be a lot of people that that are, are like, it's like you, f- you have the global recession where they felt that they were just economic pawns in someone else's game when, when bankers collapsed the world, they lost their job, but the bankers were fine. Like this is another one where like I was forced to sit home, but other groups of people were, were allowed to go out and protest like what like it is I'm just saying that we, we're going to have to be ready for it yeah I'm yeah not this trying conversation to explain, we're going to have to have I'm not trying to justify no. it but I'm just trying to say and it's
0: fascinating because the the first the first time I ever had to engage in this conversation Steve literally broke my brain and we would have to edit out 15 <laughs> minutes of Richie panicking in his head and trying to turn to Steve for some sort of comfort I wasn't giving it when there's no comfort <laughs> to be had and I apologize because I wasted a lot of Steve's day where I tried to claw back like some semblance of understanding when, when it's just, it's just, a, it's just art. I think, yeah. It's just difficult. I think like, yeah, it's just difficult. You were, <laughs> this is, this is the onus.
1: This is the genesis of where I wanted this episode to go to, I think. <laughs> I kind of yeah. wanted us then, to come to this conclusion that we have to make these choices and we have to, we have to be willing to stand up for ourselves in that sense.
0: We have to, and, yeah. but also be, be ready for the consequences. Yeah. A hundred percent. Uh, and I've, I've just realized I have a lot of like personal articulation I need to do because I wasn't ready for for this like internal debate in my head so I can articulate these feelings out. And also, I've drank three hard seltzers. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> I don't know how much of that has got to do with What's it. What, a hard seltzer is um, like 5% though, isn't it? So my body is 15% alcohol. <laughs> You're right, Steve. I am struggling. Um, but no, it it, it is fascinating. Uh, and I th- Yeah, I think we're gonna be having this chat for a long time. Oh I fucking hope not. Oh no. Are you dick? (laughs) I think we are. Oh. You remind you No, not you and I. I mean like as a society. No, I know,
1: but you reminded me that lockdowns aren't gonna go away next week. I keep forgetting.
0: Yeah, no. Maybe we should protest longer. Shut up. Shut, no. up, shut up,
1: shut up, shut up. We managed not. to crawl. Of course, I'm not. hanging Never. onto this cliff with my fingertip and I'm holding you from the precipice. <laughs> <laughs> don't fucking, don't start grabbing for the flowers on the cliff face and swinging us around, okay?
0: <laughs> and I'm clicking onto a crate of hard seltzer. And you're like, Richie, drop the hard <laughs> seltzer. It's dragging us down. We can't get, we can't climb this podcast cliff and finish until you drop the hard seltzer. And I'm trying to drink it because I think that's the same. Well, to be honest, maybe it's that's not. where we should just go. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Steve, I am sorry for that. That's that's my own um, brain fart that I'll have to edit out. But you're right. It was a, a tricky thing that we needed to tackle. And I think you've done a good job in ushering me. Ushering me not to a place of peace. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not to a place this
1: is like one of the good old fashioned endings where I've left you really, really sad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we haven't had one in a while
1: Frustrated, we angry and sad one. with politics That's how everybody but should be But you know be. what Go out and protest maybe one
0: way, Yeah or maybe maybe I can bring in some more of the things that I want to you protest You actually wrote them down, you're looking at a list I am looking at them now uh, Okay, here's the one thing I want to protest When people from colder climates experience uh, warm weather and moan about it But then people from hot climates say Oh well you should try living in Death Valley blah 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 I hate that. So I'm, it's not the same. I'm a pasty Irishman. My body has the melting point of old yogurt. Well, you know, it's let me have my struggles. Don't take these away from me because you live in Death Valley and it's summertime. Sometimes London gets warm here and we're not equipped to deal with it. I'm allowed loud complaint.
1: <laughs> I think what you want is like a shock jock slot where you just give out about what, what, what's annoying you that day for an hour on AM radio. Maybe
0: I, when I came to you four and a half years ago about this podcast, maybe I was wrong. <laughs>
1: He should just been like the Richie Hour,
0: <laughs> maybe. Oh, and okay, the last one, and this is what we can end on. Did you know? Okay, there's an owl called the Great Horned Owl. Okay, All right, I learned about him last week.
1: In what context? And if
0: you look, if you look up the Great Horn, I'm about to tell you. If you look up the Great Horned Owl, and listeners, feel free to to Google this now. The zo- the Latin zoological name for the Great Horned Owl. Is Bubo virginianus <laughs> now? Is it in fact pronounced Bubo virginianus? Maybe still funny, <laughs> but it's, it looks like Bubo virginianus. And I don't think I want to protest this as much as raise awareness <laughs>
1: demonstrations.
0: I want to demonstrate. I you want to, to put on signs. I want the world to know about the great horned owl. Who is also. Uh, who's also aka his shock chock name <laughs> <laughs> is Boobo Virginatus. Look it up, it's there.
1: Look it up, people! Just look it up, they're trying to <laughs> open your eyes. They're trying to hide it from G- you, what? but it's there. Boobo Virginatus.
0: <laughs> uh, turning
1: the owls gay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's it. The, our vaccines are turning the owls gay. At what politics on scam <laughs> and on Twitter, whatandpolitics at gmail.com. Uh, have you been noticing an uptick of gay owl activity in your area? Let us know. We'd love to hear about it. And also, don't forget to sign up for um, Head Stuff Plus if you want to hear those bonus episodes. Hop in the car, girls. <laughs> <laughs> don't say it nonchalantly. Uh, it sounds awful. Hop in the car, girls. Stop it. Stop it. It does sound it bad. Sounds bad. It. it sounds a bit. <laughs> a bit predatory and weird uh, is that it? I think that's it Do you have any f- final gripes aside from Richie derailing this podcast you can protest that <laughs> if you want no I
1: wouldn't protest that Richie it's all part of the learning experience
0: oh I thought the dude was back sorry for Declan <laughs> I heard someone shout on my road and I thought it was a dude back trying to get Declan I'll keep you posted on that <laughs> hashtag justice for Declan Hello, I'm Emma-Jane from Fail Harder, the podcast that chats to people at the top of their game about failure, from their first memory of failure to how they cope with it now. I have some unbelievable guests on the show like Paul Meskel, James Cavanagh, Georgina Campbell. The list just goes on. And of course, we'd be mad to take failure too seriously. So every week I have 20 questions in front of me, numbered at random. Most are straightforward. However, some are a little more unconventional. And in the spirit of failure, my guest can pick the numbers. They might not like the results, but life's not fair and neither is my podcast.